I've never heard that before. That was new. We're Thanks, all Zoom. very we're all for, alarmed. For listeners at home, we have just been <laughs> frightened by the Zoom robot. I guess that that it was in I guess Zoom updated and that was in the Zoom update. really glad that you're here. In this episode, we get sneaky about some of our favorite B-sides from the Hold Steady's 2019 album, Thrashing Through the Passion. We also get really in our feelings about quote-unquote going back to normal and going to shows again. I don't think that there's much to discuss, so let me introduce you to some deep freedom. All of our eyebrows went up. (laughs) We we were all scared. (laughs) Cool. Cool. So that's what a year in isolation has done to us. <laughs> Afraid. Good Lord. Um, all right. So today we are going to listen to a couple thrashing through the passion era. Uh, I don't know if we want to call them B-sides, um, non-album tracks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then we're going to dig into a little bit about how we're feeling about the return to normalcy and specifically the return to shows. Yeah, we all have a lot of thoughts about that. Yeah, and I'll save it for the uh, for the chatter, but I don't feel like there's any normalcy that's going to be part of returning to shows, at least for a long time. No, and there are a few different areas in which that is already showing up, but we'll mm-hmm. talk about that later. Yeah. Way to, way to create some suspense. I know. <laughs> call that foreshadowing in the biz (laughs) (laughs) we call that a teaser i teased you so let's maybe set the stage a little bit for these um the songs that ultimately made up thrashing through the passion um the the band as we know it right now their return to recorded songs um and what eventually became an album of sorts. What did you guys start thinking when we started seeing these uh, one and two songs uh, pop up for, you know, purchased on Bandcamp or streaming on whatever service? I don't remember. Was it Esther and Eureka? Were those the first two? No. It Let's was. Fact enti- check. It, it was. It was Entitlement Crew and. Um, Entitlement Crew was one of the first. Yeah. Anyway, that, that, so that was the first one. And I was at my grandparents' house in Michigan and I saw it like come on Spotify or whatever. And I just sat in the driveway crying uh, before I could, you know, continue on into uh, whatever family was visiting for the weekend. And I went in and my mom was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, there's just, there's just a new song out. And she was like, oh honey, just like, like she got it. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I was delighted. Like, um, Entitlement Crew was such a, I feel like it was such a strong return. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like very anthemic and it's very a great sing along song. A classic. Yeah, it's a classic. So um, I felt like uh, Entitlement Crew was a good way to uh, introduce the like new sound of the, the full, full lineup, full strength, if you will. I agree. And I think that what ended up happening, um, you know, I was a little worried initially with when thrashing came out that hearing 
almost all of the songs would like lessen the impact of thrashing as a full album for me. Um, and maybe like the way it would sit with me as a narrative arc. And, and maybe there was a little bit of that, but like, it still for me felt like we're getting a full length old study album and I'm really, really excited about it. I feel like we didn't know that this was going to be an album though, for a really long time. Like I remember, exactly. yeah, we didn't, we didn't know that. And, um, I think that, and I hesitate to use PTSD too liberally because obviously that's a real thing that people experience, but I think that it was such a genuine shock to me that they had put out some new music because I think I thought the um, Boys and Girls in America reunion, you know, in like 2016, um, uh, sorry, Boys and Girls in America anniversary in 2016, um, where we saw Franz return, I was like, maybe that's not going to last. I don't know. I'm going to enjoy this while it's here. I don't know if they're going to actually write as this band. And then they did. And you know, it was genuinely surprised. I had pretty much resigned myself to it not, I had resigned myself to them not being a band that wrote new songs anymore, to be completely honest. Yeah, absolutely. Spin um, Doctors, just kidding. I am looking in, yeah, Entitlement Crew and Snake in the Shower um, were the um, first two songs to be released in 2017. Um, and I was really excited about Entitlement Crew because it felt like vintage hold steady. Um, but something about Snake in the Shower really grabbed me. Snake in the Shower was my favorite of that entire crop that came out, I think. Um, there's this one moment in it where it just, I believe it's the same instrument or whatever that did the woos in uh, Unpleasant Breakfast, but there is this yeah yeah our old friend the woo um is in there in a spot that just makes the song extra creepy it was like a little thing that i noticed that i don't know i, I don't have to justify why a two second part of a song makes it my favorite song out of all of them but it does and i think that i was excited to see that they weren't just going to do like an anthem i think and then they were just like oh yeah but still drugs and death and you know we're still real sketchy don't worry stuff is still real weird yeah it felt like thematically like it was close to um separation sunday hold steady um which you know that's a lot of people's favorite um we've talked a lot about this song why don't we listen to a couple minutes from snake in the shower like you've already decided I don't think that there's much to discuss While we've been in between places we've mostly been staying at some house in the mountains or friends and using Oh, I love that guitar. I love I love a dark guitar and a hold steady song. Extremely my shit. I'm not normally a person who um, pays attention to guitars and music very much. Like I'm more of a, you know, overall um, musicality and lyrics person. But yeah, the guitar in this one is uh, real weird and I love it. 
it's like sneaky sexy like it makes yeah. me want it makes me want to slither like a snake <gasps> weird like sne- sneaky sexy selvage <laughs> i really like the line um remember when we thought this was better um because that reminds me i mean because i have to make every song about me i think we all do that but um you know like i think that one thing about you know quitting drinking and changing my life completely was that i thought that i wouldn't have a great time anymore you know i thought that like i couldn't possibly have as much fun as i did when i was like drinking a lot and occasionally doing drugs and then like so that line, I feel like, is something I connect with a lot. Remember when we thought this was better? And then you look back on it and you're like, oh, no, actually, that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, Dark. and that's a that's kind of a thing about this song, too, that I didn't think about or realize the first time I was listening to it because I was so like, yeah, this is, like, grimy and weird. But there's that um, that verse at the end that's, like, someone made a joke that seemed hopeful about things that go bump in the night. At oh, first, it kind of picked up the party, and then it kind of ruins your life. Yeah, like so good. So good. Oh, yeah. And so like so in line with like like you said, like the, you know, yeah, still drugs and party, but but also uh things and real bad. You know what's funny about that things that go bump in the line is so clever. Um, and I feel like it, you like Craig has really earned the right to use a line that that's that is that clever. Like if I was in a writing workshop and I heard that line, I'd be like, all right, roll it in, like reel it in. You're trying a bit too hard here. But it, well, the first time I heard that in the song, I was like, shit, that's good. That really works here. Like that mm-hmm. works on so many levels. And that really speaks to the relationship that Craig has established with with his audience. And, you know, I think come into his own as a writer. Mm-hmm. Now, I get annoyed when um, when you see writers saying or just folks saying like, I mean, you, it's very easy to do like a hold steady lyric generator. Like that's absolutely a thing you could do. That's real. Like, do it a lot. yeah. And, um, but I think that the criticism is that they sing about the same things all the time, which to some degree is true, but in terms of drugs and poor decisions and just being in the wrong place and very random cities, but think about how many different ways he's figured out how to say that. Yeah, that's hard. Exactly. That's really hard. Yeah. And people can shit on, you know, them singing about or Craig writing about the same shit over and over. But like, how many people can do it in a way that doesn't seem so, you know, redundant and reductive? And it is like you're listening to something new every time. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of 50 ways to leave your lover, it's going to be like 50 ways to talk about the party being over. <laughs> 50 ways to leave the party yeah, yeah 50 ways to leave the party yeah we'll, we'll workshop that but I like where it's going stamp patent <laughs> um I I just think it's a really great song I I I love hold steady songs in this vein it's why I like open door policy so much and the first time I heard lanyards um at Brooklyn Bowl a couple a few years ago now I was like this is my shit you know it goes back to like specters like I love that song you know just that like the dark hold steady maybe it's the the uh steady goth in me um but just those sneaky and those sneakily dark songs I think are really some of my favorite 
Maybe she's yeah. born with it. Maybe it's sneaky dark. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> she's born with it. Maybe it's the anxiety. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I really, I will say that one more theme that pops up here that I notice in a lot of their songs is arriving someplace and it's not what you were expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a theme that uh, comes up frequently and I love it. Yeah, like, oh no, like just arriving in a room and being like, this is not what I signed up for. Okay, let's, uh, wow. So this was a kind of a fun era, I think, because we like had that anticipation of like, oh, new new hold steady songs, like each week or like each month or every couple of months, like we can have a new hold steady song as a treat. As a treat. and um and they were treats too because like no they always came out of nowhere like you know and it was like we've talked about often we didn't expect to have more than anything past teeth dream so it was yeah it was just like I don't even really care what it sounds like I'm just excited yeah just happy happy to be a part of it um on that note I think that you know Heidi you were saying snake in the shower was your favorite out of um this era of little hold steady uh bites and i think that um eureka is mine yeah i think eureka is mine too justice for snake in the shop no (laughs) the podcast is over we can't agree i'm leaving desi why do you like eureka so much why do i like eureka so much well we talk about um you know uh imposing the songs onto our lives and there are are a lot of uh uncomfortably familiar passages in eureka um from yeah i don't know it's from like a a weird time in my life uh not the best time in my life so when the song first came out, I wasn't really listening to the music or to the lyrics because I was just like, yeah, this is a bop. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm grooving. Um, but then like listening through it, um, then it gets to like, you look even better than you did in the pictures. He didn't say much. She never thought it was love. It was mostly about the adventure. Like, man, if that, uh, if that is not really on the nose, Sometimes Craig writes about these situations as if he's doing like a business brief, like he's like at a meeting and just kind of summing everything up. And he uses a lot of like weirdly corporate language that sounds like hilarious in context, but also is really actually kind of creepy in context. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's a thing. This is a this is like an omniscient narrator situation, not to get all English teacher on the podcast, um, but it's it's like an all knowing third person. And, and yet somehow, um, Desi, like you were saying, there are parts in here that are so familiar to me. Um, the part that I remember, I think it was the Asbury Park show, um, in the summer of 2018, um, 2017, 2018, uh, when they played this and the, um, he's a dick when he drinks and that line always has always, uh, really, done something to me yeah my country to the sweet land of liberty um let's stop talking 
for once in our goddamn lives and maybe listen to a little bit of Eureka. <laughs> it was a strange request and they just barely met, but somehow he didn't seem like a stranger. She know what her sister always said about the angels, how they show up when you never expect them. She never expected when she was mostly in the phone booth at the end of a rope. Spending half her time just poke, poke, hoping. Then someone finally showed up with a shot at the coast. So she gets in the car and they go. Goodbye, Central Valley. Hello, Shasta Trinity. Look even better than you did in the pictures. It didn't say much. She never thought it was love. It was mostly about the adventure. Needed to hear that line. I love the, the end of that song. Me too. Builds to to something good. And another uh, Doomtree reference, either uh, intentional or unintentional. Ooh, unfortunately, probably intentional. I think that this also brings in American sadness again. Like the last part, just like here's our, (laughs) here's American. uh, Here's how we are. We sleep in uh, pharmacy parking lots. The freedom to sleep in a pharmacy parking lot. God, just beautiful. USA. We're number one. The freedom freedom to sleep in a a pharmacy parking lot, but not actually get medical care for your uh, genetic illness. I was driving home from the beach yesterday and and the Rockaways are actually one of the most uh, conservative parts of the city. Um, And there were so many fucking American flags. And I was saying to my friend in the car, I was just like, I don't understand genuinely how you can look at all of this, you know, gestures generally at the world and just be like, oh yeah, America, we're great. We're doing great. Yes. Sure. We're not. It's just, it's, we're not fam. No, we're not. And that's, it's even my dad, like, who's like, was so excited to become an American citizen is just like, I don't want to fly an American flag right now. It's wild. It's a long line of uh, patriotism and propaganda disguised patriarchy studies classes yeah. yes and always the patriarchy don't even get me started on the patriarchy be here all day <laughs> and it's a school night i think that craig has been writing sort of political songs for a long time without realizing it although maybe we could call it more civics you know more civics civic minded um or cultural commentary but i think that a lot of what his songs are about or the lyrics he writes are specifically american like i never really thought about this before but like almost none of the songs take place anywhere else in the world yeah i never thought about that england gets a few references yeah yeah but but that's about it that's that's interesting i'm sure that there is a master's thesis to be written about um the new wave of American songwriters and the spirit of, of Springsteen and Dylan, etc. Masculinity, 21st century. Mm-hmm. Mm. Although I don't think Craig is going to go the way of Van Morrison. Well, let's hope. Well, not. let's hope not. Boy, that's depressing. Yeah. yeah. I mm, about to. I'm about to walk down the aisle to a Van Morrison song. And I think that now the right thing to do is to switch it out for one of the new Van Morrison songs and walk down the aisle to They Own the Media. 
Nothing yes. I love you. Like thinly veiled anti-Semitism. Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yikes, man. Yikes. Depressing. Right. I'm like, you're the guy that does the high kick in the last waltz that I rewind every time. Like, why? Why are you doing this? God. It's, it's unfortunate because Astral Weeks is still is one still one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And I've really been jamming the caravan a lot lately. It's so good. It is. I'll say my boy, my boy uh Todd Rundgren has uh not made any yeah. hard rights. I, I had yeah. to I, I seriously Googled his entire life before getting the something, anything art tattooed on me. Cause I was just like, I can't mess this up. Well, don't um, get an Eric Clapton tattoo. I would never or fuck that. <laughs> I think I'm allowed to get a Neil diamond tattoo, right? He's not problematic. I don't know. I've not looked into it. No. I um, mean, beyond writing a song about losing his virginity to an older woman that my dad then heard and named his only daughter after I think beyond that, uh, no major controversies. That's a journey. Anyway. I'm Googling yeah. it now. Uh, I think the, the TLDR lesson of this part of the podcast is uh, old white men don't let yourselves grow up to be Van Morrison. And one of the Gallagher brothers. One of the Gallagher brothers is an anti-masker and I can't remember which one. No, I think it's Noel. Good. I mean, wait. Who's the older brother again? <laughs> You're the person I would ask this, Heidi. They all I look know. the same, to be honest. It's How been a many, long day. There's what, six or seven of them? And they just switch them out each year. And that's that year's Oasis. No, no, that's the, that's the Hansons. Oh, oh, no, Noel is the older one. And he is the anti-masker. But he kind of can never be totally not you know he can never totally leave my good graces because of that amazing video of him making tea hmm. he made i will have to put i'll put it in the show notes there's a video of noel gallagher making tea and basically complaining about how no one's there making it for him and this is the downfall of rock and roll is his point we're a real it, podcast now if we have things in the show notes i gotta get better about that in general <laughs> um I'm going to just start putting selfies in the show notes. You can do it. Image you are. <laughs> so I feel like all of this and talking about the current political landscape is a really good segue. Uh, it's almost like we planned it into um, kind of our, our little second half here, uh, which is to talk about that big, really wrongly uh, worded phrase, the return to normal um, after a year and a half indoors. Um, I live in Massachusetts outside of Boston. Um, she says like everyone listening doesn't know that. And uh, I saw that our numbers today are the lowest they've been since last June, um, which is really promising. Uh, only two people were reported dead today, uh, which is frankly incredible. Um, and we have really high vaccination rates. And that being said, uh, where are you guys at with returning to shows? I think that I am probably the person who went to the went to a show like first, like before everybody else, because Evan played a show a couple weeks ago. And if it had been at a different venue, I probably would not have gone. I would have been like, you know, go play the show, but I'm out of it. But um, there's this venue here in Berwyn um, and they do 
they have like a huge out, outdoor patio. It's really open. Um, they're very serious about six, uh, six feet of distance. If you're standing up, even if you're standing up at your table, you have to have your mask on. They're, they're just, they have done a really good job of it. And we went to a show there to see a friend play earlier in the fall um, when numbers had kind of like gotten better, I guess, like we felt safe or more safe being out. Um, so I felt, I felt okay going, but I also would not, I felt weird the whole time. Like it just feels weird seeing people and being around people and in general, the whole thing was just strange, but I don't think that I would feel so comfortable going to an indoor show probably for a while. And even like, even now that I'm out of the vaccination, um, why do I want to say indoctrination? What is it? What's the word? Inoculation. Inoculation. I'm You're out of the inoculated. Uh, I'm fully inoculated. Get inoculus. I'm inoculated, not indoctrinated like Commander Shepard. Um, little Mass Effect joke there for my gamer boys. Um, but yeah, I, I think that even though I am like technically in the clear because I had COVID. So, I mean, in theory, I could probably get a different variant, but in theory, I'm a person who should feel like the most safe. And I still don't because I don't trust other people and to be honest, I feel like old study show, like I feel like I trust most of the crowd more, which is funny after, you know, talking about the aggressive crowds. Um, but I don't know, I, I feel like there are fewer idiots in in the fandom than, uh, than may, might be found other places. Um, prove us wrong, friends. Prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. It's so weird and it's so weird having to look at other people who are not wearing masks and being like, are they vaccinated? Are they being safe? Like, I don't know. Did they wash their hands when they came in? It's It it took a lot of the, the not to be that person, but like it took a lot of the joy out of it for me to, you know, see my husband play a show for the first time in two years because I was just like constantly looking around and wondering and paranoid and I don't know. I just feel like an indoor concert with more people and less space feels bad. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. One of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking is how a lot of this aligns, I think, with um, fears that uh, that many cis women have already going to, to shows, um, worrying about not being able to trust people, um, worrying about what the person next to them is going to do. Um, and just a whole host of, of unknown things, um, which is sort of depressing to think about. And that um, is a good point, but it makes me wonder if this experience will kind of like open men's eyes more. If not, not that they're like going to be looking around and worried about, you know, exposure or anything like that, but like it might give them half a, they might think for half a second about the, you know, mental gymnastics that women often go through. I think that starting to have shows again will in some ways force venues to take a stand. Not, let me think of how to say this. A venue is generally an apolitical space unless they specifically 
are, you know, for a certain kind of event that, you know, hosting political events or whatever, that's not really a thing that like in a club, like you don't really know the bartender's politics. And the thing is like, if you're in New York or Chicago or Boston or like a, you know, one of the, we're in some of the coastal elite cities, um, you can kind of assume that everyone's gonna kind of be cool at least in terms of um, operating the venue once they're open again. Like that's something I forget about a lot. Like New York, I'm so two of my clients have, I'm a, I work with comedians. Two of my clients have shows next month um, indoors and they're like in the middle of June and they will be the first indoor shows that I go to. They're both fairly large spaces where you can go stand in a corner if you don't want to be around other people and they're requiring that you show proof of vaccination, but they're not making you test or anything. You have to wear a mask, basically. Like you get put in one section if you're vaccinated. It's kind of like a smoking section. It's like the smoking and non-smoking section. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that. I feel glad that they're taking uh, precautions. I feel glad that I live somewhere where generally people at least pretend to give a shit about that stuff. Um, because it's sort of the socially acceptable thing to do around here. Uh, so that's cool. Um, the thing that sucks about it, and I can say this as someone who's in a band, is that every band ever is trying to play a show right now. And all these tours are getting announced at once. And it's kind of cannibalizing, not cannibalizing, but bands already compete for spaces like, you know, venues usually have four or five holds on them all the time. And so it's like that times a backlog of a year and a half, which makes it really strange. And that's part of the reason I think we haven't really tried to play shows yet. Um, we're playing a live stream next month and we practiced last week and it felt great. Like we hadn't practiced since February, 2020, which is wild. We opened for Mercy Union in Jersey City and that was the last time we played a show. I've been working in person for the entire school year um, and teaching in person which for a while I was the only person that I knew, um, aside from like acquaintances in the medical field, um, shout out to our first responders. Uh, <laughs> and so I was the only person that I knew that was working in person and seeing people every day. And it was a really weird feeling. Um, so I think I've kind of been trapped in this like in between world where, um, I haven't, I've been working every day in person and kind of confronting, the realities of, um, of navigating a pandemic in a public facing job and also not being able to do any of the things that I love doing. You know, I, I like my job, but your job should never be your only passion. <laughs> um, Preach. and so it it's, it's been weird to like watch the world open up around me and, and have all of these people be like return to normal and time to wear pants again. And I'm like, okay, well, some of us have had to wear bras again for the last 10 months of this school year. Um, and like I was saying, I'm, and now I feel like caught between, I, I really want to get back to normal things, you know, thinking of tickets going on sale for Brooklyn bowl this summer. Um, now that the, next leg of hold steady shows have been announced. I'm like, yeah, like I probably should get some tickets. But then the other part of me is like, am I going to feel comfortable in November, December going and being in that space with a bunch of people? And it's, it's just such an unknown and we haven't really been able to control anything over the last year and a half. And I think this is just another instance where I feel like I have no control over it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the the same 
idea around Riot Fest because Riot Fest tickets, single day tickets, I think went on sale last week. And it's like, yeah, Riot Fest is, is outdoors. There in theory should be a lot of, you know, space to spread out, but also like who knows what numbers are going to be like by then. And who knows if we're going to have another spike with different variants or whatever, like it just feels so early to plan for December even. And I, I wonder if there's ever going to be a time in our lives that planning that far ahead anymore will not feel weird. Like there are a couple reasons that I've hesitated buying tickets for the whole study in Minneapolis in November. And when I first saw that, I was like, I had like 15, I went through like several stages of emotions at once. I was just like, oh my God. And then I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, huh, maybe I, you know, I just, it wasn't like the normal set of feelings that I have when I see their tickets go on sale. And then I started thinking like, should I go like do, and so I'm not committing to it yet because I am trying to be more financially responsible um, I own a small business. I have to be really careful. I'm finally becoming an adult kind of, uh, but I just haven't even, I've like half-heartedly looked at flights. I just, I just, something is keeping me from pulling the trigger. And I think it's, I mean, the, I, well, the shows aren't in seventh street entry, are they? Like they're both I, in, I don't know. I think they're both if, actually, they're, if they are like at first Ave. 7th Street entry I would not do <laughs> it's very small um, but it, it's just all the things like the last time I was on a plane I was pretty much getting airlifted out of Texas with a medical emergency so I don't even know how I feel about getting on a plane meanwhile my parents were like bye we're going to Tucson and Florida like and you know I don't blame them I mean my grandma misses everybody but like I just am not, it's been very weird to not know how I'm going to feel in a situation that I've actually been in a million times before, but now because we've all gone through this thing and I think it was fairly traumatic for everybody, I don't know that I'll ever feel the same again. Like, and yeah, I, there's, there's part of me, like I, I worked in venues for basically my whole career until the last couple of years. And there's part of me that thinks, okay, if it was really unsafe, these venues wouldn't be running it because they don't need the bad publicity of being like a, a super spreader or anything like that. But also like they've been so fucked, like they have no support. And if they don't run shows, then that's another however many months without income. And we've already had so many classic venues that have had to close because of all this bullshit. And it once again comes down to like personal responsibility and how much do you trust the public, I guess. And after this year, my answer to that question would be not much. Not a lot. Yeah. I think we just wouldn't even be having that conversation or this conversation if we could, uh, you know, trust the public. No. And also I think about people who live in, so I, I like I said before, I feel lucky that I live in a city that's really liberal. It's New York city. But like, think about the folks who live in, I don't freaking know, like Dearborn, Michigan or something. Oh, and... Dearborn's fine. Like the people okay. live in like West Michigan. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That was a bad example. I forgot you're from Michigan. Um, I don't know. Maybe Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a place I love, but I don't know what their politics are. 
I just think of folks who like have been very careful and a problem maybe at odds with their neighbors about like how to respond to this like my dad I think has been I've talked about my dad twice now great um hi dad anyway uh my dad has been kind of at odds with like a lot of people in his community about masks and stuff and I just think about people who won't have the benefit of living in a city that largely feels is on the same page about masks so like if somebody who has very liberal tendencies and is you know taking mask wearing seriously and they want to go to a show and everyone else there is being a dickhead like normally you wouldn't really care what the other people's politics are at a show but now it's political like if you live in a red state in a red city and you're not you know, a QAnon weirdo, like you're going to have to go to shows with people who are just denying that this thing exists. And that's just something you never would have had to deal with before. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting to think about because I think we started this podcast talking about being women in a male dominated space. And so that these are some things we've had to think about before, right? Going to shows, thinking about like, what are the people next to me going to be like? And so I think it comes largely from a place of privilege that we now have to do even more reckoning with like, what do the people around me believe, right? Like how, like, will the people next to me not care if they're going to cause me harm? Yeah. Yeah. It's like all those men who got mad about being told to wear a mask. And I was like, wow. Hmm. Yes. Being told to do things with your body. Hmm. What is Mm -hmm. that? Like, I mean, the equation of like mask wearing and vaccines with like, you know, the like, you should smile more. Well, no, actually, what I meant is I've been seeing people compare like reproductive choice uh, with a choice to wear a mask and get a vaccine like and that is just a bad faith argument that is not equal. That's not the same thing. It's just another like fucking red herring. Yeah, yeah, it is. And also how many people want to take away the the right for us to get birth control or whatever like it's yeah to have an abortion on like the entire supreme court so yay another day in hell no i mean it's just like welcome to being worried about people telling you what to do all the time like it must be real weird Mm -hmm. to have people having opinions about your body yeah, yeah. I mean, the like the notion that America is an independent country that you have autonomy is a flawed one at best. Um, people don't have nearly as much uh, control over their own lives that as they think that they do. Um, That's true. So that goes back to like American exceptionalism and we're the best and we're free. And, and that's not just people from red states and who voted for Trump who think that that is that's something that goes deep. Mm-hmm. In our most, you know, liberal and progressive friends and comrades, maybe not anyone who calls themselves a comrade. I was going to say, I'm not sure about that one, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, what? It's going to be weird. I think everyone's going to be all over the map. And I've already had to reckon with my friends having 17 different opinions about how shows should be. And I have my own benchmarks for like what a place would do that would make me feel okay. Like, for example, like my client's comedy show is happening somewhere where they're, they're doing contact tracing too. So, like, they're being careful. Yeah. 
Well, and New, and New York also took away all the restrictions. So now every time you see a venue or a bar or whatever doing uh, doing contact tracing and stuff, that that business has now made the choice to do that. Um, which again is just bringing it, not that this is bad or good, but it just forces these venues to like take a stance. Well, it also is, is for putting all the work on the venues yep. so that they have all the responsibility if something yep. goes wrong. Yes. Mm. Our, I love Andrew Cuomo very much. I'm shaking my head vigorously. Slash sarcasm. <laughs> Hashtag no. This is not a ladies who love Cuomo podcast. Oh, He's remember- not a comrade. No. No. And fuck Bill de Blasio. The end. And fuck Charlie Baker, because that doesn't get said enough. But fuck Charlie Baker, governor of Massachusetts. Fuck that fuck guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've gotten off track. Just kidding. It's all related. Strings attached to every single governor. Concert. <laughs> Governor's better. There are. Oh, my God. Lord. Lord almighty. I just got religious for a second. <laughs> Should we do? You know, it's so bad. Much- I know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get us out of here. If you've been to a hold steady show before, or you're thinking about going to one in the future, um, you should know, or you do know that Craig likes to end every show with uh, talking about how much joy this brings him so much joy. So we like to end our shows by talking about some of the things that have brought us joy this week. Desi. This week, so much of my joy is brought to me by, um, there's a YouTube channel that I love. They're based in Newcastle, England. Uh, They talk about wrestling. They're called Cultaholic. During the pandemic, a lot of them have also started regularly streaming on Twitch. And I love Mondays now because Monday we get Twitch streams with Andrew, who is just like this pure beacon of light and positivity and happiness. And today... Uh, He started doing a playthrough of Dream Daddy, which is an amazing game. If you've never heard of it or played it, you should check it out as soon as you're done with this podcast. Uh, But yeah, my so much joy this week is Andrew Hodkinson from Cultaholic. My so much joy this week is that I'm getting an air conditioner delivered on Friday because New York City suddenly decided it was summer like three days ago. Not complaining. Went to the beach yesterday. It was tight. But uh, my air conditioner is full of mold. And upon much research and YouTube videos, I discovered that I need to throw that fucking thing out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Nope. Just not happening. I'm, I'm too too old. I don't know. It's not or lazy. I don't know. Getting rid of it. Um, and also, here's just a plug for not ordering shit on Amazon. Um, I ordered it from PC Richard and Son, and they are bringing it here and installing it and taking away my old one. And altogether, it costs less than the last air conditioner I bought. So we love a deal. We love we a love cool- a deal and we love a, a fully installed deal. Ladies I love mean, installed deals. For real. Oh Heidi, thank you. That was really cool. Ha! Oh no. <laughs> the old My- study is for ladies who love dad jokes. <laughs> My um, so much joy this week is that um, we are rapidly approaching the end of a really difficult school year. I started, um, I've been a teacher for for many years. Um, Well, a few years, not many. I am spry. (laughs) Um, But I started at a new school this year and um, we have uh, no more full weeks left. So 
there are a couple short weeks left and then I'll be on summer vacation and I am not working this summer, uh, you know, aside from all the work that teachers do over the summer, but. And also all the work that goes into planning a wedding. Well, there's that. Yeah. You forgot to mention your part-time job. I am a wedding planner, but soon I'll be an adult kiddie pool owner. Yeah. And user. Adult kiddie pool owner with a ring on it. I'm so jealous of your adult kiddie pool. I wish we had a place for him. I told Evan that I'm going to like clear out most of our bedroom so I can put one in here. I think that I would back you on that. I mean, why not? Podcast is proof. Yeah. Like and subscribe if you think that Desi should put an adult kiddie pool in her bedroom of her Chicago condo. Please go to Apple Podcasts and write a review specifically about if Desi should get we just need, that's the only way we know how to hear from you. I'm just, t- I mean, there's no such thing as Twitter. Uh, we don't have app- a website. We do not. Nope. There's we nothing. We are very logged off. It's hard to find us. So the only way that you can communicate with us is through Apple podcast reviews. Specifically about kiddie pools. Yes. Adult but- kiddie pools. Yeah. So should I take it out or you want to yeah, do yeah, it? Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So uh, that's our so much joy for this episode. Uh, we <laughs> okay. So that's our... perfect. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let me try that again. Um, that's our so much joy for this episode. We hope you had something that brought you so much joy this week. Maybe it's this podcast. Maybe um, again. Actually, for real, we would love it if you rated, reviewed, and subscribed on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcatchers are. We have 11 reviews. No, that's no. We have 11 ratings and three very nice reviews, and we appreciate all of them. And Thank we you. love we love our fans. We love our fans. When we get to 69, we will do something nice. exciting. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So get us to 69 reviews, and something will happen. Nothing weird. <laughs> I mean, Speak I for yourself. I'm not promising that. Um, but anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. We'll see you next week. Bye.